Software Engineering Radio Episode 4 Scripting Languages Welcome to this episode of Software Engineering Radio. This time uh, Alexander and Markus will talk about scripting languages. So to get us started, I think, Alex, um, could you explain what, what scripting languages are and why they're such a hype today? Well, what scripting languages are is actually one of the toughest questions, I guess, um, because it's not that clearly defined. A lot of people think uh, Scripting languages does mean it's interpreted because it was that way in the earlier days of computing. There were the compiler languages and assembler, uh, and on the other other hand, uh, there were the interpreted languages, the scripting languages. But that is not true anymore for a long time. I mean, Basic is interpreted, Java, if you want, uh, is interpreted. Yeah, to some and, extent. Yeah, of course, and. Um, the more modern scripting languages like Ruby can be compiled too, so that's not the criteria that's true today anymore. Okay. If you look at Wikipedia, they say uh, scripting languages are for short and easy tasks. They are, for, or they lack features that are necessary for huge projects with a lot of people, like type safety. I guess we can talk a bit on this later on. Yes. Um, they have implicit variable declaration which is not a good criteria anymore. C-sharp in the next version will have implicit variable de declaration too. Um, scripting languages have dynamic type conversion and automatic memory management. So the Wikipedia definition is not bad, but not so good uh, too, because there are a lot of counterexamples for all of this. So I guess the, the definition is pretty fuzzy right now. Um, my definition of scripting languages is pretty close to the Wikipedia definition. Scripting languages are usually designed to make programming easier. So they are more um, human-centered, not so much designed to make it easy to be compiled or interpreted by the machine. It's, they are readable. Simplicity is a huge design principle in most uh, scripting languages. Um, you usually need a lot less code to program the same stuff um, compared to Java or C++ or the other languages. Dynamic type and garbage collection actually are core features of most scripting languages. And uh, another point is scripting languages are often designed for a specific domain. So would you say that scripting languages are, are typically domain-specific? Typically, maybe yes. Not not all of them, right? Because, um, because Ruby a language or, like Ruby is right. pretty. Um, yeah, you can use it for anything you want. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, a lot of scripting languages. Look at PHP. It's it's has a right. main focus on web development. Right. So yes, they are often uh, domain specific. Although, just to clarify for our listeners, uh, you shouldn't confuse these domain-specific languages we talk about here, like being domain-specific for web page development. You shouldn't confuse them with DSLs in the sense of model-driven development. Yeah, for sure not. Okay. There's a huge difference. Uh, yeah. Just maybe another historic point in the programming language community, there has been a long discussion about writability versus readability. So that means you should be able to write programs quickly, but maybe not be able to read them easily afterwards. For 
for example, if you look at APL, the the the, pro, uh, the numeric processing language, which is very concise, you but but you can never ever read your programs again. That's not the focus <laughs> of scripting languages, is it? Uh, actually, you could argue that Perl has the same problem. Yes. Okay, but that's a very old scripting language. <laughs> yeah. So the newer ones like Groovy or Python or or Ruby don't have these problems. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned before um, scripting languages are simpler to to use. So does it mean they're incomplete? I mean, is it you know is it hard to do complex things with them or because just because they're simple? Uh, no, for sure not. Um, this is the Wikipedia definition. I'm not so um, I'm not feeling good about this definition actually, because you can program anything you want with most of the scripting languages. Uh, maybe besides some stuff like system level software or driver like drivers or stuff like that or embedded software. Most of the other things you can actually do with scripting languages. That they are com or most of them are complete programming languages. Um, and if you look at the examples where they are used. Um, you, you can see that it's like that. It's not an incomplete language. It's not a, a toy language or something like that. Right. Ruby on Rails, is, is, which is a framework to do uh, three-tier web applications with Ruby, which is a scripting language, is a complete system for, for writing really complex web applications. A lot of the web shops you actually use day by day are written in one or another um, scripting language. So. That's not, um, it's not an incomplete feature set or something like that. But is there a kind of hotspot? Are there typical kinds of applications that are built with scripting languages and are there other kinds of applications you wouldn't recommend them for? Um, let's first elaborate on the what I wouldn't use it for. Actually, I have some kind, well, a, a little problem seeing huge, really huge projects with 200 people working on it doing uh, being done in a scripting language, that's not the hotspot right now. It doesn't mean it will not, because if you look at Ruby, it's conceptual on a level like Smalltalk. Um, so it's all there. Nevertheless, it's not done often, and there are some pitfalls you, you have to address, like dynamic typing. The typical usages are shell script replacement. That's the cl classic point. Um, that's where they come from, actually. Um, stuff like build environments are often done in scripting languages. A lot of web development is done in uh, scripting languages. I would say that more web development is done in scripting languages right now than in the, the um, more serious um, languages like Java or C Sharp. Also, if you look at a Linux distribution, there are tons of small GUI programs written in TickleTK, so there's, there's a hotspot too for scripting languages. Is there anything you could say about the team size? I mean, you already mentioned that you wouldn't do a project with 200 people. Is that is that a problem of the language or is it a problem of um, you wouldn't find enough developers for those kinds of languages today? It, it's a bit difficult, um, the, the finding developers for the languages, um, because like I said, PHP is really huge. There are a lot of people out there that do right. PHP on a daily basis. So th there's a huge pool of uh, script developers. Um, nevertheless, um, it's not so much used in huge projects. And um, I wouldn't say professional developers are harder to find for scripting languages because, of course, they do professional stuff there. It's hard to say. I, I don't think it's it's uh, a problem of finding people, actually. There are some okay. features of scripting languages uh, that make it tough to, to do 
huge projects. Same like like small talk, you might argue. Dynamic typing is is a thing you have to address. You have to do a lot of more unit tests, for example, to address dynamic typing problems that might occur in huge teams. So. Um, huge team is a is a problem, I guess, for for most of the scripting languages right now. Something I'd like to point out is that today, when when developing software, for example, if you look at Java, the most important thing actually isn't the language anymore. One could argue, instead, it's the frameworks. Yeah. Um, if somebody has to learn Java today, learning the language is easy, but understanding all this J2EE or JEE stuff, as it's now called, learning all that stuff and and being proficient there and using the right patterns and the right idioms, that's really hard. Yeah, you're right. O on the other hand, on the other hand, I think. A good language cannot be compensated with, with good frameworks yeah. because, for example, if you look at Java as a, as a counterexample for good language, <laughs> oh. um, if, if you want to um, associate a piece of behavior with a button or with another event, you have to typically write an inner class that implements some kind of interface and then implement some execute operation, all that. So you basically have to implement the command pattern writing five or six lines of code just to get your real business logic somewhere. Yeah. If you have a scripting languages with code blocks or closures in general, this is usually just a curly brace um, and a vertical bar and a couple of functional business logic statements. So you can express things much more concisely and certain features such as closures are really important to build good frameworks. So you cannot really compensate a good language with a huge amount of frameworks. Yeah, you, you're so right on this point. Uh, if you look at a framework, and it's more like uh, than a framework actually, nevertheless, if you look at Ruby on Rails, uh, I don't think anyone from the Java community um, would have come up with an idea and a concept like Ruby on Rails. Of course, you can do copies that are close to Ruby on Rails. Yeah, and they're doing those continuation servers right now yeah, in Java. Yeah, exactly. So um, you, you can copy the concept and you can get close. But it doesn't feel the same way. So yes, the language right. has a huge effect on the framework. Another interesting point there is the scripting languages actually do have huge amount of um, libraries, uh, they call them, uh, for where you can find functionality for nearly anything you want or, or can can. Uh, think of so um, Perl and Python have huge libraries in the back. Okay, so um, maybe just to to continue that point you made before that uh, scripting languages are often used for shell script replacement. Why should I do that? I mean, aren't the shell languages good enough? I'm not a Linux guy, a Unix guy, so I don't really know. So yeah. why would you do that? Well, uh, actually, the, the the modern shells are pretty powerful. If you look at Bash or TC shell, they, they are huge. They you can do anything you want with them, but they are not very. Um, it's tough to to work with them sometimes. Um, if you want to debug them, that that's all not so easy to do. Um, but the main point for the scripting languages actually is um, they are more platform independent. You can use a Perl script on, or if you do it right, or uh, with the, the, the <laughs> that you want to to do it, and that way you can use a Perl script on Unix and you can use it on Windows um, with, without a problem. So um, they, they are more plat platform independent than uh, normal Bash or TC shell scripts are. Um, the programming concepts usually are, are more powerful to you have object orientation, for example, um, f some kinds of functional programming. So there are, there are more high-level programming constructs in there. 
uh, and therefore they are a lot e easier to program. Uh, for example, if you want to do a build script or a build environment for a huge project, that can be pretty complex. So doing right. this with Bash is um, can be a pain at least. So um, they have an edge there. I have even heard of people who say that instead of building your, in, in the Java world, instead of building your uh, build scripts with Ant, you should use Ruby for yeah. that because that makes things much easier than all those curly braces, uh, the, these, these angle brackets and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, well, one um, huge advantage there is you're not um, stuck with a declarative type. Ant, you have an, just a declarative type of declaring what you want to build and what are the dependencies. Um, when you do it with Ruby, you can program any, anything you want in this script. So um, there, there's no limit there. Yeah, that's that's actually true because if you want to do like conditionals in Ant and do something only in certain circumstances, that's really a pain. I mean, that doesn't that's not. And another point is, um, with scripting languages, you can do more ca complex or, or complicated even stuff there too. You have GUI libraries, you can uh, do networking stuff using web services, whatever you need. So you're not limited actually. The next point is something that maybe everybody thinks about when thinking about scripting languages. Are they slow? That's complicated <laughs> too. Um, they they don't have to be slow. That's that's the the first point. Uh, actually, there's nothing in the concept that makes them slow. So uh, it's it's more of um, implementation problems sometimes or. Uh, yeah, it's it's not really a conceptual problem. Nevertheless, right now it's that way that most of the scripting languages are a bit slower than the nat well native compiled languages like C or C++ or so on. So um, yes, usually they are a bit slower. Of course, this doesn't have to be a problem. Nevertheless, it's right. a fact. Usually not a problem that yeah. they're a bit slower. If you don't do number crunching, then that usually doesn't matter because the bottleneck is the network or the database or whatever. Yeah. And uh, if you look at the design principles of Ruby, um, the, the creator of Ruby um, always said it's more important to make the language easy to use, easy to read, and not uh, performance or faster. Uh, th that's not the main focus of scripting languages usually. So if, you, if they have to make a trade-off there, they usually decide against faster as option. Yeah, I mean, and that means as a consequence that maybe, as we said before, you wouldn't use the scripting languages to develop embedded automotive software that controls your 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 the burning process in your engine. Yeah. Right? So that's not the the target or the, the yeah. typical domain. Yeah, and and for the other stuff like uh, web shops or uh, things like that, it's also not a problem actually to to use a scripting language because. Usually, network or database are limiting factors there, so the, right. the pure CPU power isn't that important in this domain, usually. Right, yeah. And of course, I mean, in the end, it's always the same. If you want additional flexibility and reflection and dynamic this and dynamic that, yeah. then you pay a price. Yeah. It's always the same. Yeah, another point there is a lot of scripting languages get ported to standard um, yeah, virtual machines like uh, Java Virtual Machine or .NET uh, Runtime. So um, they use approaches the other languages use too and get performance benefits from that. It's, it's not easy, it's, it's a lot of work there, but uh, it also helps um, performance a lot. So, so how important is it for the um, 
for the popularity of uh, scripting languages that they um, can be run on mainstream VMs such as the Java VM or the, uh, the .NET common language runtime. Mm. Uh, I think it's a, it's a huge point to get them on these platforms. If you have a tight integration with uh, Groovy, for example, and Java, you can do a lot of fancy stuff. Um, you, you can call Java classes from Groovy. You can write unit tests with Groovy testing Java classes and, and backwards, of course. So that's, yeah. that's a huge point for um, things you can do with scripting languages besides the performance point. So does, does that mean that if we, I mean, if we use a scripting language language on Java and can reuse all the libraries like JTE yeah. and stuff, that still doesn't mean that the frameworks are kind of built with the scripting language in mind. So you, it, it doesn't, it really doesn't feel exactly like, like I don't know, like like Ruby and Rails. Yeah, it's still so, Java with a little bit of syntactic sugar, right? Exactly. That's why the Groovy uh, people do, um, yeah, develop their own uh, frameworks right now. They they do mm -hmm. their frameworks with a Groovy spirit in it, um, parallel to the Java stuff. So uh, okay. you're so right. That's that's a huge point there. Okay. Hmm. Not sure if this is the right way to go either. So we have Java EE and then we have Java Groovy EE. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I guess it um, the, the better solution will win there. And yeah. if we are if we stuck to Java, whatever that means, because I don't think Java is as bad as most people say right now. So nevertheless, right. if we stuck with Java, we we might lose some advantages of the scripting um, power. And maybe we we have to we at least we have the possibility to combine them and use the best of both sides so it's about choice i guess yeah some people argue that the the phase where java is the motor of the innovation is already kind of gone yeah. i think it wasn't it bruce eckel who wrote this book beyond java or who was it um bruce tate, bruce tate i guess bruce yeah. tate i don't know i have the book lying around somewhere here so the, that kind of shows that some people think that the, the 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 phase where java is really the the language for the really creative people is over and that they move to languages like ruby Yes, I think so too. Um, it's pretty obvious if you read the weblogs right now. Um, there, there are most of the the people that are very noisy, at least, uh, switch <laughs> over to to Ruby right now from the Java community. Um, but I, I guess it's also a bit of a well, a Gardner would call it hype cycle thing. Um, yeah, of Ruby is great, but Java is not that bad either. So you have yeah. to use the right tool for the problem you have, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe just to, to 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 conclude this 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 section about you know mainstream VMs and, and scripting languages, Java will provide a better integration for scripting languages in the future. The, the JSR two twenty three uh, deals with better integration yeah. of scripting languages into Java six. That will probably be yeah. Java six. And Groovy is not the only Java scripting language to, to uh, just mention here. There's Beanshell, which has been there for, for I guess, years at least. Uh, at least three years? I don't know. Uh, for a long time right now, uh, which is pretty popular. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh. if you look at Beanshell, um, one feature is used that you get from this integration. Um, you can use it as an automation automation language for your applications actually you can embed mm -hmm. beanshell in your program to um, make yeah automation automation of your program possible okay huge feature 
Okay, so, so if we look at uh, scripting languages from a programming language feature point of view, can we point out a couple of really cool features that many or most scripting languages today have? Also very, very difficult point because they are pretty different. The, you, okay. you have scripting languages that come from a non-OO background and right now are moving to an OO background or getting OO languages. Um, and there are pure object-oriented languages like Ruby, which um, are really designed to be object-oriented from core on. So um, scripting languages are, of course, very, very, very different. So everything I right now say, um, you, you find counterexamples for anything. Okay. Nevertheless, most of them have regular expression embedded in the language. You remember, they, they come from this um, shell replacement uh, thing and background, and there you have to do a lot of things with strings and so on, so regular expressions and easy string handling, um, easy handling of data structure, structures like arrays or hash tables are very important things. They are uh, in any scripting language right now. What they also do have is automatic memory management. They have garbage collection built in uh, to make it easier, as said before. So to program, you have you don't have to deal with all this technical stuff there. You just program in the, the yeah. problem domain. They're usually very open to use other programs to, to start other processes, um, to stop them, communicate with them. So um, they are usually integrated in the environment or the... the so yeah, the operating Yeah, so system. That, that's maybe also a consequence of history where uh, scripting languages were often used to glue together exactly. building blocks that have been built in, in other yeah. languages. Yeah, exactly. Some have a lot of um, yeah, more functional flavor, something like high-order functions, functions as objects or closures. This is also point of the um, easy to program thing uh, so um, a lot of advanced features in there but but not so um, equally spread between them they, they have different concepts there they often have so powerful reflective features um, to dynamically build programs to to um, yeah you, you can as they are usually interpreted you of course can um, expand or extend the program by the program itself uh, easily so that means you can you can write code that dynamically builds classes. Like exactly. for example, you can ask your user, you know, give me the attributes of your data structure you want to have, yeah. and then you build an algorithm that dynamically builds a data structure that has those attributes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, of, of course, with Java or C Sharp, you can do all this too, but it's um, a lot easier uh, to do it with scripting languages. Right, because in Java, you'd have to do it on bytecode level. Yeah, exactly. With, with, and that, that, that's no, no, not, not very fun. <laughs> it's not easy, yeah. No. But but I think um, I think we'll have separate episodes for on on, fu on functional languages and also uh, on, on on reflection because yeah. that's that that are those are huge topics that that we cannot you know like discuss yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, one thing that already that almost has religious discussions uh, about it is the discussion about strong typing. Yeah. People say, yeah, we need strong typing, otherwise the compiler can't tell me, you know, all those kinds of bugs. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? How important is strong typing and st and static typing, st yeah. typing yeah. before runtime? Well, actually, I, as you say, I, this is almost an religious uh, topic. Um, you find strong proponents on both sides. Um, I guess it's it's very very 
and very complicated uh, topic, and I, I think we should do another episode on this to to go deeper into detail there, because it's not that easy to de differentiate between dynamic typing and static typing. There are a lot of points to discuss. My personal opinion is you don't have to have static typing, actually. Um, static type checking by the compiler is a, is a useful thing and um, helps a lot. Nevertheless, you can write, you, you, you have to pay a price for it. Um, mm -hmm. You can't just uh, send them yeah, message, uh, call a function, send a message is the more dynamic way of it. Um, send a message to any object you want and the object decides if it can handle the, the message or if it doesn't. Uh, so you can do a lot of cool things with dynamic typing actually, but it, it comes with a price. You have to do more unit tests, you have to check right. a lot of things that the compiler checks usually for you in the static typed languages. Um, that may, that's one of the points that makes it really difficult to use scripting languages in huge teams, actually. You have to use discipline uh, instead of, well, a technical or a language feature. Mm -hmm. Many people say that if you write um, the right amount of, of unit tests, like those, you know, test first folks, um, they say that if you do that, then you will catch all the typing problems also so yeah. that means if if you use java and y write so many unit tests that you cover all your functional requirements then this would also catch all the typing um, problems so that means that you you in, in in languages like java you don't have the advantages of dynamic typing but you you the, the The, the advantage of the compiler catching the static yeah. typing problems don't really pay off because you would catch those problems also if you wrote so many unit tests yeah. as, as necessary to, to, to test your functional uh, Absolutely logic. my opinion. The only problem I have with this is uh, usually people don't write enough unit tests. So yes, <laughs> it's more, more a theoretical point, I guess. Uh, if you would, yes. Absolutely, and I think it's it's the better way actually because then you not only have your your typing problems fixed but also your semantic yeah. problems fixed. That's, so that's it. Doing uh, the right amount of unit tests is the real solution. But if I look at the projects I see all over the world right now, um, they don't have enough unit tests. So having a compiler that helps there additionally is not a bad thing actually. Right. Okay. And so, yeah. Philip, one additional point there. If you look at the next version of C Sharp, for example, um, they move to yeah, not really dynamic typing, but they they you don't have to uh, declare what type of variable you have. Uh, the compiler figures out in in the. Uh, well, while compiling. So um, the, the static type languages also move a bit more to the dynamic typed languages. Still, there's a huge difference in, uh, nevertheless, uh, it, it's, uh, they, they move in this direction right now. Yeah, I think C Sharp 3.0 is a really, really good example of how um, kind of classical languages like C Sharp or Java um, kind of move into the direction of, of or in, into a domain where typically um, dynamic languages have been, like with, with uh, kind of automatic typing, yeah. with language-integrated que query, with, with yeah. closures and all these things. I actually will try to get some Microsoft person on, on the podcast yeah. to, to talk about that because yeah. I think that's really fascinating. Actually, yeah. And uh, on the other hand, also, um, it's a huge misconception that scripting languages 
don't have type checking at all. They do yeah. type check. All the variables have types. You just handle it in a different way. So you it, don't it's have to check at runtime, and uh, it's different. Yeah. But as said, um, this this dynamic versus static typing thing is a huge thing. I, I guess we should really do an, an other episode on it. I, t I took a note for that, yeah. so we'll do that at some point. Okay, so um, can you maybe list um, a number of typically used scripting languages and maybe um, point out on a very high-level view that they're their most important features? Yeah, of course. First that comes in mind, of course, is Perl. I, I think it's still the, the most used. I'm not sure. I have no statistic, but but it feels <laughs> like that. Um, Perl is a grandmother of the modern scripting languages, <laughs> I guess. Very strong, or <clears throat> at least at the point of time when it w was invented, very strong on this regular expression stuff, which uh, also br um, brought it a bad image because a lot of people wrote code, Perl code, that was ugly and um, almost impossible to read, uh, right. which, which doesn't have to be like that, of course, um, but well, uh, a lot of pe people have mixed feelings on Perl. Nevertheless, the most important, I would say, or the the, the hugest scripting language, at least, uh, still, Python uh, came up to be very clean by design. One interesting <laughs> point uh, at Python and most discussed, while uh, not so important actually, is they have semantic white spaces, uh, like ah. in the, the early COBOL versions where it does matter where you write something, how many spaces are in there. Um, this is a point where a lot of discussion is going on. Um, so I, uh, that's, I really hate I, it. I love a bit about it because it's, it's funny to, to see this little feature so... Um, hot discussed by different people. <laughs> of course, you don't need the curly braces, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I once tried to generate Python, and so you have to generate all this semantic white space, and that's really a pain. Oh, yeah, yeah, I could imagine that's not easy. Uh, Python has a huge library, a um, lot of stuff you can use out of the library. Next language that comes to mind right now, because it has a lot of um, noise around, is Ruby. Ruby um, is a purely, or with a design goal to be purely object-oriented, and it actually is. It's it's very beautiful implementation of object orientation, in my opinion. Uh, very nice little language. Huge in Japan. Actually, it's the most mm -hmm. used uh, scripting language in Japan, where it comes from, I guess, or mm -hmm. place two. Very, very um, popular there. Has a lot of noise generated with the Ruby on Rails framework, or solution mm -hmm. uh, right now. Very, very nice language. Um, I would rec recommend to look into it. It's, it's interesting to learn it. All the meta-programming nice concepts are very, very yeah. nice implemented. That, I think when we do the, uh, the episode on reflection and meta-programming, we'll do this based on Ruby. Yeah, good idea. Next language that comes to my mind is Groovy. Um, why Groovy on this list? Uh, because I come from a Java background. I've I done a lot of Java things. So uh, Groovy is basically uh, a mixture of the, the best of features of most um, scripting languages, uh, has a lot of Ruby flavor, um, but runs on the virtual machine, which is a huge ah. uh, difference. So um, still in, in 
well, it's it's not done right now. Still, um, it, it's it's going to grow. It it has to stabilize still. Um, but very interesting language and concept too. If you don't need something you you use right now in a huge project, look into Groovy. If you are in the Java world, of course. Right. So very interesting language too. So to summarize, Perl is very good in string handling. Python is more or less a functional language with, with OO concepts added. Ruby is an OO language with some functional concepts added. And the big point of Groovy is certainly its Java integration. Yeah. And actually, Perl is not only good off, on string handling, of course. It, it's, okay, right. Uh, yeah, but that yeah. was traditionally used. Yeah. And also, many people say that um, you, you shouldn't kind of really compare Perl with Python, Ruby, and Groovy because Python, Ruby, and Groovy are more, really more modern languages where people looked at how you can cleanly implement functional or object-oriented yeah. programming, whereas yeah. Perl is more or less a mix of useful features, but not a real nice feel to it. Yeah, because, uh, or, um, of course, this is, um, a lot of taste comes there. In, in yeah. So, so yeah. I don't, I don't think we can say one is better than the other. Just look at know. them and you will see what fits your wishes best. One topic that we didn't discuss yet, but that's important, is what is what what about IDE support? Yeah. Are there any you know Eclipse for Ruby? Yeah, uh, well, actually, that's this is a weak point of scripting languages, in my opinion. Um, th there are plugins for Eclipse for for different uh, scripting languages, actually, but they are basically um, text editors with syntax highlighting. So it's not very strong IDE support for scripting languages right now. Um, this one of the reasons is actually this uh, static versus uh, dynamic typing thing. Um, it's it's hard to for an IDE to figure out um, what are the types of the variables you deal with because they simply are not defined at the time you write it. Yeah. They are defined at uh, runtime, so it's pretty hard to write something um, that yeah can do advanced stuff like refactoring, for example. Actually, you can do, if you look, the original refactoring browser was right. done in Smalltalk. <laughs> yes. It's different. It's very different. Uh, I don't, don't know how deep we should dive into this, uh, how they are implemented. They, they, are, they are pretty different. I mean, if you, you have a refactoring browser for Java, the, the IDE actually knows what type it has to deal with and where it will be called or where a method will be called and all this stuff. Uh, in the Smalltalk refactoring browser um, used a different concept. It actually replaced code and at runtime um, you, you come for example into a dummy version of the function you call of the method you call and uh, this will do refactoring or complete the refactoring at runtime. So it's oh. it's a very, very different concept. Okay. Okay, so 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 that means today IDE support for today's scripting languages is isn't as good as you would as what you know from Java. Exactly. Yeah. So that there are IDEs like Active from Active State or script solutions from Yeah, yeah, for Ruby. sure. Uh, yeah, but but if you're used to, to Java Yeah. It's it's different. It feels really really different. But you can do debugging in your IDE. You have uh, syntax highlighting and all this stuff. But um, that's almost all of the features you get. Right. Um, so, what should our listeners do if they want to dig deeper? Because our time is already 
more or less up. Okay. First thing, of course, is to choose your language. Uh, there's a lot of information on the web. I guess we will add a few links to our website where you can check the show notes, yeah. starting points to, to get a bit deeper feeling how, they, how the languages feel, what are the key features and what's the philosophy be, behind them. So um, I would say you have to choose your favorite language, which it's easy, I guess, because they are pretty different languages. Okay. And then um, just use the web pages. There's a, a lot of information on the web because most of the scripting languages are actually open source languages, some kind of open source. Mm -hmm. So um, most of the information actually is on the web. And of okay, course, so we'll there are a lot of good books, but um, start with the web. We'll, we'll put a couple of things into the show notes and you can start from there. Yeah. Okay, anything else you want to say about scripting languages that you really want to our <laughs> listeners to know about? Actually, I, I think we have touched the most important points uh, in the discussion. So uh, okay. just take a look at them. I think scripting languages will get huge or are huge, actually, if you look at the, the distribution of languages right now. They become more and more important. And I think we will see a lot of influence of scripting languages in the future on the yes. non-scripting languages as well. So uh, having a, um, in, an understanding, a good understanding of scripting languages will help you a lot in the next years. And we promise that we'll bring further episodes down the road um, on, on specific topics such as dynamic typing or reflection yeah. or these kinds of things. Okay. Okay. So, thanks. Thank you. This was another episode of Software Engineering Radio. For general information, feedback and past episodes go to se-radio.net. Software Engineering Radio wants to thank Henning Pauli for providing the music we use on this show.